If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello there. Welcome to the Behind the Mirror podcast. My name is Anna, and bless you for being here today. I am so excited to share the next half hour with you. I am talking this week about a subject I have not talked about ever on this podcast, and it's the subject of evangelizing, which for a lot of you guys might give you a little bit of PTSD just hearing that word. And I'm in that camp with you. I'm going to share my whole journey with you um, on this topic of all things that I was taught to do inside of my faith practice and how it has all shifted and changed to where I'm at now. So I'm excited to dig into this topic with you guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Miss Alice Ranker. Alice is a patron and a supporter of this podcast and just such a gift to me. And any of you who know Alice, she's just a treasure. So thank you, Alice, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. If any of you would like to learn more about how to support this show, you can go to my website, AnnaDimmel.com, and click on the button Patreon. That being said, you guys, we are going into like the crazy season of all things Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the things that bring up feelings. Oh my gosh, this time of the year can be so rough. So I am so thankful that we have this safe space here where we can come together we can share, we can cry, we can laugh, we can talk, we can be open and honest and say the things that might not be welcome to say in other places. So just know this is a safe place and I am glad that you are here. That being said, let's get into this show. Here we go. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So this week I am talking about a subject that I don't think I've ever talked about on this podcast, and it is the subject of evangelizing. And anybody who is um, post-Christian faith, post-deconstruction, post-any church experience, that word might totally like make your skin crawl a little bit and give you a little bit of like a twitch in the neck. Because there's so much wrapped up in that word alone that is painful and damaging and has done you a lot of wrong. I get it. A lot of things and behaviors are done under the umbrella of evangelism that is harmful and anything um, but what it's actually supposed to be doing. So I want to just talk about this subject and where I land on it post um, my own deconstruction and 
with, gosh, with where my faith is now, it's so interesting how much as I have gone full circle and I'm still growing guys, my gosh, I don't think any of us ever arrive or land in some perfect utopian place with our faith or beliefs or any of that. But I think that for me, at least where I have come now, I feel like, oh, it's weird how many things come full circle. And and I'll explain, I'll explain what I mean by that. So growing up and you guys may resonate with this story a bit. I was very pressured as a young kid to spread the gospel, to witness to my friends. And what that looked like being in middle school and high school was anybody who didn't know Jesus, which is really ironic because when you're in a conservative family in a small church in a small homeschool community, you don't have any friends who don't know Jesus. (laughs) Like this is the irony of it. And so I did have a few friends from the small time that I spent in public school and those became my targets, right? Like those were who I felt like I'm supposed to share my faith with them. I'm supposed to witness to them. And of course, the end goal is to walk them through the plan of salvation, ask Jesus into your heart, come visit my church, become a member, all the things. And I, I really wanted to do the right thing and I wanted to help people and I didn't want people to go to hell. And so that was something I felt like I really needed to do. And so when you are a kid, which is what I was, trying to explain theology to another kid who's your age and explain how Jesus loves them and that there's a better way for their life. And, you know, all the things, um, sometimes you get a disconnect or as I quickly found, sometimes the conversation changes from me trying to, what felt like sell them something turns more into me just saying, Hey, so I pray at night to this guy that I call Jesus and, um, I tell him all my problems and it makes me feel better. And, This is a Bible. This is a book that I read and I find peace when I read it. And I like learn cool stuff when I read it. And um, yeah, you should try that. (laughs) That I'm serious, guys. This was my extent of witnessing as a teenager, which truthfully actually led to a lot of really open, raw conversations. I have always been very blunt and very transparent. It's just the way I communicate. And I think when you are talking about something as tender as faith, for me, someone who was using my faith to find peace in a lot of situations that felt chaotic, that resonates. No matter if someone believes in a Jesus or God or any of that, that transaction resonates because we all are looking for inner peace. Everybody is. And so those conversations actually led me into a lot of unexpected places, even as a kid with friends of mine confiding in me in all kinds of walks of life and things that they were dealing with. And I think I maybe prayed with a few of them, but I didn't drag any of them to church that I remember. Or if I did, they didn't keep coming. You know, it's not like I had a salvation tally going by any means, but you know, that I believed because that's what I was taught. And that's what I believed I was reading in the Bible was that I was supposed to share my faith. Okay. So 
skip forward into ministry and pastoring and all of that felt so yucky by the time I got into that world because at that point, you know, when you're in leadership in a church, they are literally monthly counting salvations, like counting them. And they are I'm not kidding and it makes me like nauseated to talk about it when missionaries that the churches would support the board had to account for how successful the missionaries were being to quantify how much funding they should receive. And in order to quantify that, they had to count things like salvations and baptisms, conversions, things of that nature. And I remember sitting in some of these meetings and like feeling the room spin a bit because I felt like, okay, is this what we're doing? We are counting how many times someone recites a prayer that we tell them to pray or how many times we dunk somebody underwater, like that means we're being successful. What about relationship building? What about community? What about health of families? What about health of people? Like what feeding our community? I mean, like just very basic necessities of a healthy atmosphere. Why are we quantifying the health of a ministry or a missionary by their salvation ranks? Um, that became very off-putting to me very quickly. And and sadly, even some of the missionaries that um, would come and speak and that I would hear, that was their whole selling point was how many people they were saving. And I, I struggled with that immensely. So um, I really got turned off to the idea of evangelizing the older I got, because to me, it had warped into this commercialistic thing that didn't represent what I felt investing quality time and spiritual care as a pastor or as a minister looked like. But again, as I've shared over and over again, I never felt like I fit the box. And when I say that, I mean things like this. Like I was always on the outside. I felt like looking in going, am I the only one that thinks this is weird? We're writing down on a piece of paper how many people raised their hand in a service. Am I the only one that finds that odd? (laughs) Like, what is happening? What is this? You know, I I just, I had no idea how some of that stuff worked. And so that, that was not um, a pleasant thing for me to witness or, or a pleasant thing for me to be a part of. So as I walked through my deconstruction of faith and walked through unraveling this tangled thing of my prayer life, like I've talked about in the last few weeks of what I really feel about scripture, of what is church, what is community. I mean, I unraveling all of that, evangelizing got totally thrown to the side because I had lumped that in with some commercial-like thing that grossed me out. So I don't even think that word or that thought or any of that has been in my mind for years. And and that's fine. That's That's where I've been. My focus has never been on tally marks or, and, and I've talked about here on the podcast, I'm not even afraid of hell. I don't think hell is something to be feared. And so I'm not worried about saving anybody from it. I, the, all of that has just been tossed to the wayside. So now circling back to where I am, it's funny. Someone asked me, um, in a, in a message earlier this week, what I think about evangelizing and what that looks like now. And I, and I easily could breathe out an answer. 
And so I want to share that with you guys. I've always believed that my connection with spirit and the God story and the representation of the life of Jesus, I've always found it fascinating. I've always found it humbling and convicting because, again, Jesus was so not about flashy platforms or, you know, tally marks of how many people were following him that day or how impactful his speeches were or his messages were. Um, You know, Jesus, after he died on the cross, I don't think was running around tallying up and counting how many people were on their knees crying and repenting. Like the, the idea that we have now of the Jesus interaction with people in a church service looks so different to me than what I see his actual life looking like. And again, we only have pieces of his life from these stories that were written down so long ago. So even still, it's like we're looking through a microscope. Um, But from what I gather from the text and overall history surrounding him, he was a pretty low-key guy, pretty humble, and pretty much worried more about how people were doing and if people were feeling seen and heard and meeting people's needs, then I felt he ever was trying to, quote unquote, convert someone to something. That being said, I've tried very hard to model my spiritual life after that idea. And I think this is something that is universal to a lot of faith practices, whether you look at the Buddhist faith or you look at Muslim faith or you look at Hindu faith, there's a lot of similarities in the idea of humility, in the idea of loving someone more than yourself, the idea of laying down yourself, laying down your life for your fellow man. Love seems to be a central theme in nearly every spiritual practice that I've encountered. So this is not something unique to the Christian faith. But because it's the culture I grew up in, which was the Christian faith, the Jesus story, that's what I resonate with. And so I've looked to the model of Jesus as how to mirror my life moving forward, how to live a spiritual life, how to care for people spiritually, how to love people well. And so all throughout my my work, that has been my focus, has been not caring about an institution of a church or an institution of a marriage or an institution of a political party, but an institution being completely on the back burner. Like that's not even in my mind. I don't see people through a lens of church membership or any of that nonsense. I see people for people. I I always have. And I'm thankful for that, guys. Like that's something that I can tell you has not wavered in my relationship with God. And I'm thankful for that. But in that practice, this is very natural. Seeing someone and listening to them and listening for their needs, listening for their hurts, listening for where I can be of service, where I can offer compassion, where I can offer help if needed. That has seemed to be what has been central around my work. So as a person who served many years in ministry, I was never focused on evangelizing as much as I was focused on 
meeting the needs of whatever human was in front of me. And that got me in hot water because sometimes the needs didn't match the institution's needs. And, you know, you end up in some sticky situations where you have to choose, it feels like, between a person and a institution. And that that got hard because I, I always choose people and not everybody agreed with me on that. But I still stand by that. I think it is unchristlike to choose an institution over a human being. That's where I land. Hey guys, I want to take a quick break to talk about what this season is doing to all of us. It is that time of year, colds, flus, coughing, yuck. I am always looking for natural ways to heal our bodies. And this year we changed some things up in our house with essential oils. And let me tell you, it has made a world of difference. For colds, I've rubbed Thieves Oil Blend on my kiddos' feet every night and Digize on their tummies when they've had stomach aches. And within minutes of putting the Digize oil on my kids, their ache went away. It's seriously becoming my go-to oil for all things stomach-related. I love this oil. And I have Thieves diffusing in my house and on everyone's bodies, and its antimicrobial effects are helping our house stay bug-free tremendously. So listen, don't put chemicals in your body and in your house if you don't have to. Do yourself a favor. Grab some Thieves and Digize by going to my website, annadimmel.com, and clicking on the link Shop at the top of the page. Again, that's annadimmel.com, and clicking on the link Shop at the top of the page. Now let's get back to the show. So now when you look at this scooting forward where I tossed out the whole idea of evangelizing and I tossed out the idea of needing to convert anybody, I tossed out my fear of hell, you know, all these things just got tossed to the wayside and I've landed in this place where I'm like free from tally marks. I'm free from an institution. I'm free from all of that. And it's just me in spirit. So what does that look like? Right? Like, Do I still feel compelled to share my faith? Do I still feel the need to impart spirituality and and my personal encounters with God? Is that something I feel like I need to impart outside of a platform, outside of a church building, outside of a um, doctrine, if you will? And the answer is, yeah. And it's not... It's so weird to even say this out loud. Do I feel like it's something I'm supposed to do? Well, no, because I've embraced the idea that how I live my life shouldn't feel like work. It should feel like breath. It should feel like centered breathing. It should feel like peace. It should feel like love and joy and kindness and self-respect and respect for others. You know, I... I let go of the idea of anything having to do with God or relationships that feels heavy and hard. I've let go of it. It doesn't mean I don't walk through hard things, but it means my perspective is different. And so when it comes to my beliefs, my spiritual grounding, centering place, you guys, you cannot separate me from it. It's like if I'm going to have a relationship with you, Obviously, I mean, I write about it and I talk about it on the podcast, so clearly you guys know this. My spiritual side of me is naturally going to bubble up to the surface because it's it's part of me. You can't separate it from me. My 
love for people, I believe, mirrors, at least I'm trying to mirror, God's love for people. And so I don't know how I could go about my life not engaging in a spiritual practice that I naturally would talk about to other people. I think the difference now is that I've relinquished any control over it. I don't look at somebody, and this it's been years since I've viewed this, but I'm scooting backwards here to what I referenced earlier, like high school, that age range. I used to look at people in front of me as, okay, can I lead them to the Lord? Right? Like that was the phrase, that was the job. And I wanted to please God and please people. And so that's like a a mad cocktail for evangelizing. <laughs> and I tried hard. And so now it's evolved into, I just want to love people. I don't need to even use the Jesus verbiage. I don't even need to use the idea of bringing them into a church to find Jesus or find peace. I legit believe that I am a temple and so are you. And so is every human being that walks in front of me. I believe that God is all present and all knowing. And I believe that that means I can find his presence anywhere. You could put some random stranger in front of me and I'm going to look at them with the eyes of someone who believes that God is a part of them. We're all, I believe all of us are made in the divine image of a divine being. I believe that. And I believe that spirit is something we cannot disconnect ourselves from. I think that spirit is this moving, breathing thing that is alive in every single person. Whether we're aware of it or not, we're spiritual beings. You can't, like I said earlier, you can't separate the two. The difference between me and maybe someone else is that I know I'm connected to spirit. Someone else has the same amount of spirit happening inside of them. They just might not be like looking at it. So when a person's in front of me, I automatically am like, God is in this person. God is a part of this person. God is moving in this person. What do I get to do other than love them? Right? Like, that's it. That's it. And it's amazing how much pastoring is done like that. Even when I had the title, even when I had the platform, even when I had the podium to preach from every week or so, I got to tell you, the real work is not done there. That is not where you reach people. It, It really isn't. Where you connect with people is when you're one-on-one loving them, not fixing, not changing, not converting, but just loving them. Do you know how rare that is? Because the world that we live in is so agenda-driven. It, it's just, and especially in American culture where it's really competitive and people are fast-paced and always wanting to be on top and always wanting to be in charge not having an agenda is rare and people can sense that, you know, that's why I think the whole like missions based idea where you are selling, if you will, your faith and trying to get someone to convert isn't working. Like, I don't know that it's really ever worked that long term because 
people can sense that you're trying to sell them something. They can sense that you have an agenda other than just being their friend. They can sense that you have some plot in your head other than just loving them. And people don't like that. So I think I let go of that a long time ago. And now it's it's still something I've let go of. I I look at people and I just want to know them. I want to connect with them. I want to engage with what makes them them. And what pastoring looks like to me now is, and this is something that if you have ever been in ministry before, or you know, you have that type of personality that is a caretaker or that is a nurturer, um, this is something you can relate to. It's I look at people and I want to just be like a mama duck and put the baby chicks under my wing and shelter them from the rain. That's what ministry should be, period. Because ministry, in the simplicity of it, is you are ministering to souls. Well, what are you ministering? Well, I hope you're ministering love. I hope you're not ministering an agenda or a conversion track or some sort of like plan to make them convert to your denomination or your particular way of thinking, I would hope that you are ministering love. And if the Jesus story is one that you are connected to, then I hope that you are modeling and ministering that love to them. It's so simple to me now. You know, it's like when you talk about deconstruction, I think this was one of the easiest things for me to, to untangle because I I have known, and, I, and I'll tell you a story, I have known um, someone who was <clears throat> a Hindu, and I had never met someone in the Hindu faith until this person. I had not, I mean, I like know about it, but I had never really engaged in conversation with someone who that was their background. That was their faith. That was their culture. That was brand new to me. And this person was introduced to me through a mutual friend and she had lost a baby. She'd given birth to a baby that was stillborn and her fiance had left her. And I mean, just the yuck of life, right? Like we all have hit these moments in life where it's just like, ugh, can it get any uglier and heavier and harder, right? That's where she was. Young mom to be losing a baby and losing a fiance and just devastated. And I was introduced to her to, I think they wanted me to save her or pastor her or something. Um, I think that was what they were hoping would happen. That's not what happened. I went over to meet with her at her home and, um, we just started talking and out she gushes this story and I'm, my heart is breaking and we're connecting and we're, talking about all the pain that she's experienced. And she pauses for a moment and I insert, this is years ago, guys, I insert the Jesus story. I am like, well, I want to tell you where I go when things in my life are hard. You're right. And so I launch into my Jesus story and um, my relationship with God. And she looked at me and she said, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I was like, "Um, what? You know Jesus? And she goes, well, I know what you're talking about as far as connecting with spirit and with with the divine God. And I don't remember how she verbalized it, but something like that. And she goes, that happens to me all the time. And I said, 
explain. Because <laughs> in my world back then, you could only have an encounter with Jesus if you were a Christian and someone seeking to be known by Jesus, not someone who is practicing Hinduism, right? So she takes me into this room in her house that where all of her, she had her like statues up and her um, mat and her candles around. You could tell it was her space where she would meditate and pray and all those things. And she brought me in there and she said, this is where it happens. And she starts weeping, telling me about, she called it the bright white light and how it had brought her heart healing and how she's, and I'm not kidding you. She is quoting verbatim things that God would say to me, things that I would say to you. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's what God says to me. That's like in scripture. That's like an encounter I had at a church service. Like it was verbatim. Like I knew exactly what she was describing because I have the same experiences with God in my bedroom and she's a Hindu and I'm a Christian. And we're both like, we, we both start exchanging stories and we're talking about, we realize we're talking about the same thing, but it's like hers is packaged in a way that mine is packaged differently. And I was so thrown by that. And I, I left her house feeling like a total failure because I felt like I was endorsing someone's idol worship because back then that's what I was told. If you believe in a different type of faith that does not worship the one true God and Jesus, then they're worshiping idols, right? And so I was feeling like I'm now a really bad Christian because I didn't encourage her to not worship idols. And I was like tracking with her and encouraging her in her faith. And I was so like, I was like deer in headlights. So I called a good friend of mine who was pastoring out, um, on the West coast and him and his wife both got on the phone and I was like, what is happening? And I tell them this whole story and, um, and he starts kind of chuckling and I was like, what is so funny? And he said, well, here's the thing. He said, everything she described is, is you're right. It's exactly what you know. And he said, I've had similar encounters when I've traveled to different countries that have never heard anything about Jesus, but these people are spiritual and they experience healings and they experience comfort and they experience the same things that you and I experience. They just call it something different. And he said, and you know what? And I was like, what? And he said, it's just Jesus with different skin on. And I tell you that one phrase, Jesus with different skin on blew my theology and my mind straight out of the water because here I am saying that God is big enough and strong enough and loving enough and uncontainable enough to be anywhere at any time and reach any person in any place, but not Hinduism, certainly not a Muslim, certainly. I mean, like, I realized how arrogant I had been in believing that, nope, God cannot transcend those boundaries. Certainly not. God could not show up in her room in her house where she's practicing her faith that she's known since she was a little girl. God certainly couldn't meet with her there. And I literally, like, I got off the phone with my friends and I started crying, asking God to forgive me for being so judgmental of her and so agenda focused, even though I didn't realize I was agenda focused. I 
I was so putting God in a narrow, narrow container with a very tight lid on it. And, and I don't believe that's the kind of God that I know. And yet I had boxed him up so fast because my culture, my faith taught me that God could only be present in my way of worship, in my way of beliefs, in my way of faith. And um, now do I understand the Hindu faith? No. I don't. I I only know the small context of conversation I had with her. But I can tell you that I didn't feel like I needed to save her or rescue her. I felt like I needed to love her and encourage her to keep focusing on that white light. Because let me tell you, that white light was doing everything that my Jesus does for me in my bedroom. And, And I know spirit and spirit was there. And so from that moment on, This idea of me having a Jesus that no one else has, that it's my responsibility to share, shattered. Because I realized I'm not carrying something no one else has. God is big enough and good enough and kind enough and loving enough to be everywhere all the time. Our job as little ambassadors of love, is to partner with whatever Spirit's already doing. The moment we step in and think that we know better or think that we have an agenda or think that we can fix it is when we have now inserted ourselves above God and put ourselves at a level that we don't need to be at. We don't know people's hearts. We don't know people's journeys. We don't know. We don't even know what God's thinking. 99% of the time. I mean, do you, do you insert your thoughts in his thought? I don't think so. So this whole journey for me has landed me in this space where I look for what spirit's doing and I check my previous packaged belief system and judgmental thoughts and needing to evangelize and fix at the door. Like I check it. And, you know, old habits die hard. It's not like my brain completely embraced this new, vast, expansive picture of God overnight. It's like it took that encounter with that beautiful woman in her home grieving the loss of her baby to show me that God is everywhere in everything. And I need to just back up my agenda and sit down and love her. And I did. I sat down in that room surrounded by all these statues and like held her and let her cry. And that was what being a pastor was that day. That's it. I didn't need to bring her to my church. I didn't need to convert her. I didn't need to bring in a Bible. I needed to hold her and be a tangible, physical feeling of what God felt for her. That's what I needed to do. And so this title of pastoring, this title of ministry, I think that all of us have it. I don't think that because that was my job. Or that it's someone else's job means that I'm any different than you. I, I think, God, I think we've just messed this whole thing up. I think we are all trying to live this thing. We are all trying to get through this thing called life. We are all trying our very best. You know, it's rare to find someone who's not doing the best that they can. It's rare. And I've I've since embraced that, that Everyone in front of you is probably doing the best that they can and the best that they know how. 
the most wonderful, godly, loving thing you can do is accept them right where they are, love them in that space, and be a tangible picture of a non-judgmental, non-angry, non-violent, non-vengeful God. To be a picture of unconditional love, unconditional mercy, unconditional support, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. To be that. That's what the world needs. That's, that's what being a little Jesus follower should look like. It seems so simple. And, it, and it's like, you know, your past theology can tell you <laughs> things in your head that make you think like, oh, that's not enough. I'm not doing enough. Like that's, surely I'm missing it. This has to be harder. Well, you know what, guys? What if it's not supposed to be harder? What if your burden is supposed to be light? Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened. Right? Like, you really, in these moments on these topics, it's like you have to dig into what do you really believe about God? What is it he's really expecting of us? Is it rest or is it work? Is it love or is it judgment? Is it acceptance or is it rejection? When you boil it down to simple phrases like that, it really, really causes you to pause and go, oh, right. What if it is that simple? What if that's what the whole picture of Jesus coming here was meant to try to show us that like, we have way overcomplicated this thing. And yeah, it's not supposed to be that hard. Oh, I love you guys. I love you so much. And I love the journey that we're all on together. I love that we're all in this together, guys. It's a gift. It's an honor. And I hope that this brought you some peace. I do. And as always, reach out to me. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing where you're at. Go in peace. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.